It's Friday, which means this is the Green Rush. So welcome back to the Green Rush Live Cannabis Business Talk Show produced by Pro Cannabis Media every Friday from 4 to 6. We discuss everything in the cannabis market. This week, we're going to talk about cannabis science. I am Josh Kincaid. I'm your host. I also host the Cannabis Business Podcast called The Talking Hedge. You can find The Talking Hedge on all your cannabis uh, social media and podcast platforms. We nerd out on everything that is cannabis business Today, to help us nerd out in a different way, we've got a couple of great guests that are going to be with us for the next few segments. We're going to dive into cannabis science with Josh Krosny, Director of Cannabis Events with MJH Life Sciences, as well as Meg LaRue. She is the Group Editorial Director for the Cannabis Science and Technology, as well as Cannabis Patient Care at MJH Life Sciences. Meg, Josh, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having us, Josh. Appreciate it. Let's do a little way back intro. Josh, you started the Cannabis Science Conference, was that like 2016, maybe? Yeah, it feels like 26 years ago at this point. But uh, yeah, 2016 was our first show out in Portland. And obviously, I'm based on the East Coast. But at that time, there was not much, if any, market to do something like that for us. So we had to take that dream out west and did it every year there since 2016 and just grew and grew each year. And then Finally, in 2019, we felt that there had been enough movement, obviously, on the on the East Coast, uh, that we launched the East Coast edition. So now we're on East Coast, West Coast each year. Was that a mission-driven business that you started, or was that unapologetic capitalism where you just saw opportunities? What, what was it that got you started? What was your motivation? How'd you get into it? Yeah, so it was definitely a mission-driven uh, situation for me at, at the time, uh, going back 2014, 15. I was doing staffing and recruiting for the analytical science industry. So a lot of the instrument manufacturers that you see now in the cannabis space, as well as you know different uh, laboratories like environmental labs, food safety labs, are really working with analytical professionals to place them uh, in roles. And you know, for me, I've been a friend of the plant, like I like to say, for most of my life that I can remember. So you know, everything that was happening, you know, out in your neck of the woods in California and out west, felt like it was a, a different country for such a long time. And then you know, we started hearing these whisperings of all medical markets starting to come out east. So for me, you know, personally, I was just really excited to have the opportunity to potentially be a part of a community that has been a part of my life for so long, just in a different uh, level. So really, I think like with anything you're going to jump into, you should really examine the the landscape and figure out what's missing and try to provide that that lines up with your skill set. So I, I went around to some of the other shows and talked to some of the industry stakeholders and, and realized that although there were a few uh, great conferences out there uh, that reached a lot of people, they mostly focus on the business of cannabis. And a lot of those are still around and still crushing it. But for me, you know, looking at this as a federally illegal industry, which we're still in that uh, in that game, um, I, I kind of thought that the science, the research, you know, lifting up those voices would be what would get this ball rolling a little faster down the hill. And, you know, also at that around that same time, I, I had the opportunity to connect with some families that were dealing with pediatric illness like cancer and other things, um, you know, one of those being Tracy Ryan and her family, who I know you know, Josh and, and Meg, you know as well. And, you know, learning that, you know, her daughter at eight months old was diagnosed with cancer and started using cannabis in their journey, but also at that time that California did not require cannabis testing for quality control. So coming from such a regulated industry, knowing that just about everything that comes in contact with humans is quality controlled and standardized, finding out that, you know, there were markets where, like in California, cannabis had been legal medically since 96, and it wasn't required. So that was kind of the mix of seeing that there were no platforms for the research and science to be lifted up, but also, you know, wanting to help and jump in and, you know, just when you connect with families like that, that are dealing with that kind of um, 
illness in their children, it just touches your heart and you want to do whatever you can to help. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you're normalizing it because you're bringing in these doctors, you have panelists with docs and jocks, you've got retired athletes, you have uh, uh, Dr. Sisley as a moderator, you've got um, you know, phenomenal guests with a lot of credentials behind them. Did you feel like that was pushing against the the stereotypes and barriers? Did that make a lot of movements? I, I know with Montel Williams and some other folks that you have, high name individuals you've had on there, does that sort of push that that narrative forward? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is a time where, um, you know, going back to the beginning of this, I remember talking to some of the people that I even knew were working in the cannabis space, but it was kind of, you know, you know, oh, you're using it to test tomatoes and, and, and potatoes, right? And, you know, obviously, when you understand what your clients are using your, your equipment and instruments for, you can, you know, obviously help them and enable them to, to use the instrumentation better. So for me, really, one of the biggest things was to bridge the gaps between traditional science and the cannabis community. And like you said, you mentioned some of the great, you know, athletes and celebrity influencers we've had the chance to work with. Um, like you mentioned, Montel, and, you know, we worked with Ricky Lake, Fran Drescher, um, very near and dear to my heart, Olivia Newton-John. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we, we just lost an angel from this world um, just a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, for me, that that was very personal because her family had been a part of my life since really probably 2017. Her husband and her son-in-law, who you probably are familiar with out in Oregon with uh, Lapping Dog Farms, had been coming and speaking at the show. And, you know, for me, being such a big fan of hers, um, like so many others, it was cool enough to just know them and be like, hey, you know, and they're just awesome people. So when I actually got the chance to meet Olivia, she, you know, she turned up to support them. And I think it was our 2018 show just as an attendee, you know, so that was like, you know, for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, Olivia and John's here. And, you know, from that meeting, we got to, you know, know them a little bit better personally and, you know, to spending time at their ranch to then, you know, having them actually come in 2019 and share their journey of, Olivia and John working together uh, with plant medicine to really improve her quality of life um, and extend her life, in, in, in my opinion. And, um, you know, for me, it was just very special. And, you know, talking about bridging the gaps, you know, it doesn't mean that any, you know, celebrity's voice or story is more or less important than any of ours, but they do have the platforms and the followings and the fan bases to really project this message, you know, and especially you're talking about you know, Olivia Newton-John and the people that grew up in her generation being fans of hers for so long is the same generation that was spoon-fed the misinformation and the reefer madness that we're trying to dig out of. So, you know, the three of us sitting here right now could tell people how great cannabis is until we're blue in the face, but someone like Olivia Newton-John or even a Ricky Lake or Fran Drescher, who people admire and have looked up to for many, many years, hearing it from them can open their minds a little bit more than, than anyone else. So I think that's really important. And, um, you know, I feel very blessed to have been work, able to work with all of them. But um, like I said, you know, especially right now, given the loss, um, I, I feel very lucky to have had the, the opportunities and moments I've had with Olivia and her family. And her legacy will live on in her beautiful family and her daughter and her husband and her son-in-law who are all um, dedicated to advancing the mission of plant medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, you and and when I saw that she had passed away because that's the last time I saw her was was at the uh, was was at the event, um, and that was a really good event in in Oregon. It was a very different type of event, like you mentioned. There's the Canicons and all these other uh, types of events, but that was really the one that really focused on on science. And yet during the pandemic, it it wasn't around. I mean, maybe online, but online events didn't do as well. Can you talk to us about about that transition? Um, COVID hit a lot of businesses. I know that my 
my own consulting business, the Seattle Super Chronic consulting business took a massive hit um, and I transitioned too. So I'm wondering with with the the transition that you had, if you can kind of talk about that and, and where you're at now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, the past few years have been so hard on everyone in the world, really. Um, but there are certain segments that were hit really hard. You know, one of the blessings was to see that cannabis was deemed as an essential business, an essential commodity. So that was awesome to see that just because some of us, you know, were on pause, like events, obviously, that our industry still continued to grow and science was still continuing to be developed. So, you know, for us, um, you've been to the shows. Obviously, Meg, you've been to, to all, most of the shows, if not all the shows as well. Um, from my perspective, we take such a personal hands-on approach and, you know, you'll see me running around the show, taking this hand, putting in that hand, you know, oh, you're working on this research. Oh my gosh, you got to meet this guy who's working on this researcher here. It could be a great collaboration. So for me, I just felt that that networking element and that community, um, coming together, it's just hard to duplicate, um, on a Zoom, you know, something like we're doing right now, like there's always going to be need for this. People always want to digest uh, news and information and and ha and sit in these conversations. But we're talking about a time where everybody was already going from working together in offices to going and working at Zoom. So you're talking about people that are already on Zoom eight hours a day, seven days a week. And you're, you're like, hey, let's do this three-day conference with, you know, this huge massive exhibit floor and all these different tracks. And, you know, while, although I thought it was great for content sharing, talking to some of the vendors and the sponsors of ours that were doing some of these other virtual events, the traction just wasn't there um, on the virtual floors. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're all about education, but it's not a secret that, you know, the vendors and sponsors and supporters are really what helps enable us to keep the lights on, if you will, and to be able to provide the education. So the last thing we wanted to do was put out something that wasn't up to the level of standard of what Cannabis Science Conference has been since 2016, um, just to get something out there. So we did some webinars, we did some, you know, Zoom calls like this, uh, but you know, as far as the full on virtual conference with all the bells and whistles, we decided that wasn't for us. You know, we looked at different options and we considered it, um, but we kind of felt that taking a break would make sense. And you know, that being said, each time we thought we were taking a break, it got longer and longer and longer. I remember it was April, uh, beginning of April of 2020, we were scheduled for our Baltimore show. And as you both know, it was like somewhere towards the end of March where the plug was pulled so, you know, at that time, we're like, oh, you know, we'll push it to June from April to June of 2020. Oh, that, I'm sure that'll be plenty enough time to get through this. So obviously that evolved and, you know, really the past few years have taught me uh, flexibility and the, the willingness to adapt is crucial. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited that we are back to our live events. We, we, we were able to get our first post-COVID event uh, out in September of 2021 in, in Baltimore. And it's kind of interesting because like I said, Baltimore was the next show up before the pandemic happened. So our shows kind of flip-flop when they would be held in the year, because as you remember, uh, Portland West Coast show would have been around end of August, beginning of September. Um, but just because, you know, obviously that was the next show up on the docket. It was uh, the most prepared for, uh, and the most supporters had been involved with that one. So we had to get that one out. And then, um, so in the interim between that and our next show, we became part of the MJH family. And we worked together with MJH to do the first edition of CSC under their umbrella in Long Beach, California uh, in February. And, you know, the, the move to California was a really interesting one because we really did want to keep it in Portland. But um, when we were going to reschedule uh, for 2022, 
the Portland, or, I'm sorry, the Oregon Convention Center was still being used for housing um, during COVID. So they were not actually doing any contracting. So we were ready to get back at it. Long Beach <laughs> had been kind of on our heels, like, hey, we'll give you this great deal. So um, we, we did it in Long Beach. And, you know, I think that event went, went really well. And, you know, I think September went great in Baltimore. Long Beach was even better. And I'm really even more excited for September next month, because I think each show that we've done since since getting back is getting better and better. And, you know, it's it's a process, you know, everyone has their comfortability level, you know, and some people will never be there. You know, what I mean? some people will never want to get back into a room uh, with that many people again. But I know, for the most part, most people I talk to are, are ready and excited to get back, especially with the networking element and the education. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's one guy I know he's never going to go to a single event ever again. And majority of people are kind of back at it and can't wait. So I think I think at this point, it's it's fairly back to normal. Um, but Meg, let me get you into the conversation and ask how you keep the brand authentic without selling out to the sponsor's interests. That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm an editor, so I always try to work on that balance between editorial integrity and not giving too much to sponsorship. So I just kind of take that same approach with the conference. Um, I helped Josh a little bit with this agenda. So, you know, we did try to find a balance with who is speaking from a company and a lot more of them are educators and people um, doing research, I would say in this event. Um, so we just try to find that balance, you know, I mean, there's not, I'm not going to disparage any of the sponsors. They're doing work too. And they're doing research in their labs and developing methods and that's important work to share as well. So they should have a voice, but I'm not into like pay to play. So we try to find that balance and do the best we can, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, events out there that are pay to play. And you can tell on the panel, um, Canacon, I'm speaking to you. Uh, it's, it's obvious and I will never go and pay to listen to those folks speak at all because you know that it's not the, the best people that can be out there. Um, but when you do try to reach the masses, like anybody's trying to, you're trying to get all these sponsors and make all of this work, right? It's, it's kind of this, this juggling act where you need the money, but you really want to provide the best content. And so how do you do that without the pay to play system? So I'll ask either one of you, how are you personalizing this content, making it niche enough and yet still trying to reach the masses? I think from our company's standpoint, it's, there's a lot of division in who's doing what. So, you know, Josh and I are working on the agenda. We're, we're not selling it. We're not dealing with the sponsors as much, um, especially now that he's come into MGH. We have a sales team. We have a publisher. Like, those are the people that are dealing with that end of things. And we kind of look at the agenda separately. So, if somebody says, hey, by the way, I submitted a talk, we'll review it. And I think we're in talks as we move along into 2023 to get like a review board to kind of independently evaluate the abstracts that are coming in. But it's got to be separated, like church and state. You know, you don't want your sales team coming and saying, well, these people will only sponsor if they're also talks. So mm -hmm. we try to just keep it very separate. Josh. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with Meg. And, you know, over the years, um, it's challenging because you want to keep your vendors happy, obviously, and when they want to speak. Um, so like Meg said, you know, we don't discount them, uh, but we don't associate speaking with sponsoring. And like you said, Josh, there's so many events out there that do that it's almost commonplace. So people reach out and say, hey, I want to sponsor the event. Um, and here's my talk. I'm like, oh, no, that's not, that's not how we do things around here. So we, we put out a call for abstracts and we usually get anywhere between 200 to 300 for each show. 
Um, and really what I have done in the past is kind of create like an outline based on the market and like what the kind of buzz is out there currently leading up to that show. And I kind of build an outline of what I would, my perfect agenda would look like. And then, like I said, we get so many that it's, it's usually falls in great with, like I said, what the landscape is currently, because that's what people are submitting on that are actually out there doing the work. So we kind of fill in where we can. And then, um, you know, obviously if, um, like I said, if, if it's a sponsor submitting, we don't give them any less or more of a review than we would give someone that's not. Um, and that being said, you know, we'll take someone that's a great speaker, even if they're never interested in, in vending. So, you know, we, we, what we usually do is the opposite way. So usually once we select our agenda, we then provide the information for getting a booth or sponsoring to the people we selected, should they want their company to be represented at the show. Mm -hmm. Where can people get more information? We're going to go to a quick commercial break, but you guys are going to come back. We're going to talk more about MJH Life Sciences. In the meantime, if people want to get more information, where can they go? So for the conference, they can go to CannabisScienceConference.com on all social media. And for Cannabis Science and Technology, it's CannabisScienceTech.com. And then Meg, what is Cannabis Patient Care? I'm slipping on that CannabisPatientCare.com. Okay, cool. Um, stick around. You guys are going to be around for the next uh, panel. We got three uh, additional guests coming up after the commercial break. So stick around. It's 420 somewhere. So come right back. We're going to take a quick commercial break. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we break, break it all down. down.